Well, good morning, Victory Hamilton Mill. How's 11 a.m. doing today? It is good to see you guys here on this beautiful Sunday. Oh, my goodness. And the hot heat index. Come on, somebody. Uh, I heard that. Mm. Hey, well, listen, uh, if we haven't met, my name is Chris. My wife, Lisa, and I are honored to be the campus pastors here. And now we've met. No, I'm just kidding. If we haven't met, we'd love to meet you in the lobby after service. Thank you for being here. And I do pray that everyone has had a fantastic family summer because ready or not, school's about to start, somebody. Man, the clap was just the parent. Like, dear God, get them out of the house. No, listen, hey, by the way, we are going to be praying for all of our children tonight and our students, our college students, and our teachers and our coaches and principals. So teachers, if you are in the room, come out tonight for Thirst. You're going to get blessed big time. So can't wait for Thirst tonight. Well, hey, it's been a hot minute since I've been able to bring the word to you guys, and so I am super excited and full. Somebody say, he's full. full. So get ready. Are you ready for the word? All right, turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to go there together. We are continuing the series or the full-on journey that we've been on since February, line by line, verse by verse, Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to be diving into the next portion today. And if you're taking notes, uh, the title of my teaching, I encourage you to take notes, uh, the title of my teaching is The Reward of Fasting. The Reward, somebody say Reward. Somebody's like, no, Patrick Chris, that'll be the pain of fasting. The pain. No, it's the reward. We're going to come from a different angle and look at it together. Let's pray. Father, you're already here in the room with us. And we welcome you now to come a little closer. We silence the noise of everything going on in our lives. And we want to hear from you. Thank you for your word. Speak to us. Lord, any, any distractions, we silence it now in Jesus' name. We open our hearts to receive from you, and we thank you, Lord. Any, any ungodly beliefs about this subject or any frustrations with this subject, we drop them and we say, Lord, speak to us new. Give us revelation through your word. And Holy Spirit, help me speak. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said... Amen and amen. We're going to read Matthew 6 in just a moment. Here's my question for us. Where's my reward? Where's my reward? That's a popular question today. Uh, and we live in this society now that where everybody's looking for to be rewarded. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets rewarded. Where's my reward? I want my reward. I've heard it before in stores before. Where's my reward? And, and I get it, right? We all get it because who doesn't like rewards? Anybody like rewards in the room? Come on, somebody. Let's be real. All right. About 30 people. So there's a church of 600 in the room. Anyway, so, uh, you know, like it does make you feel good. It, it, you know, it started when we were kids, right? And those rewards at school at the end of the year or this and that. And it just carries on into our adult years. And some of us adults really like rewards. But, I, you know, I have great memories of receiving rewards and got some plaques to show at it. And uh, different things that have happened through the years with people and ministries and organizations. Uh, but some of the best rewards for me 
uh, have, have been on my birthday. Come on, somebody. If you're going to get rewarded, you should definitely be rewarded on your birthday. That's your day. That's the one day, heaven forbid, that we can be selfish, right? And just like, give me my reward. And, uh, you know, because the reward is, is given out for accomplishments. And I'll never forget a few years back, we were in cold Nebraska uh, at the time, and uh, it was my birthday. And it was, I'd come home from preaching, I was tired, and my, my family and some friends, they blessed me, and I had all these cards and everything, and I was just going through it. And then after it was all said and done, I just sat back on my favorite chair, like, man, it was a good day. And then the kids all came in the room, Daddy, we got one more reward for you. And I'm like, all right, bring it on. And when I opened it up, the envelope, it was these five tickets, and I, I screamed like a little girl, like, ah! I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And unbeknown to me, right there in my hand, they had digitally released it back in the movie theater since the 1970s, the original Superman movie. It had been digitally restored. The score had been digitally restored. And I mean, oh my gosh, hold on a second. Just like back in the day. And, and, uh, and I mean, just like it's, I was like seven years old. And I'm going to tell you, unashamedly, I was screaming in that theater more than anybody else that night. Just having fun with my family. And just like it was the best reward ever. You can just leave that up the whole message if you want to. No, I'm just kidding. Take it down. But uh, please. Uh, but, but, but here's, we got to not be distracted. Um, here's the thing about rewards. Have you noticed? It's interesting. How often we reward ourselves today for doing nothing. You know, it's, it's just because we love it. You know, I, I mean, we, we like the feeling of being rewarded. I mean, ladies, my, my wife, I know you're probably as guilty as she is. She, she tells it she's got to go shopping, and I know what she's going to get. And then she comes home with all these things like, what, what was all this? She's like, I was rewarding myself. I'm like, well, take them all back right now in Jesus' name, you know. But we, we, we do that, you know. Did you know that when we receive a reward, special pathways in our brains are activated, right? And because uh, and it, it, it feels good. The, it's, the, it's called the reward center of the brain. And it, it releases, if, if we get down in the nitty-gritty here, it releases a dopamine, which is a, a feel-good hormone. And not only does it feel good to be rewarded, whatever it is, that activation leads us to go get more rewarding stimuli because we like being rewarded. Interesting, there was a study done in the 1950s. Stay with me, I'm bringing you to something. Study done in the 1950s where neuroscientists uh, realized and discovered the reward center of the human brain through a lot of testing and experimenting. And one of, the, one of the famous lab experiments, you probably heard about this, was with rats, all right? Don't, don't anybody hate me if you love rats. I don't know many people who do. But uh, these scientists attached small electrodes to the rats' brains along with these little levers in their cages. And the cages would release a little jolt, just a very small jolt of current, which would stimulate the reward center in the rat's brain that feel-good hormone that we're talking about. And when the rats discovered this specific lever out of all the other levers, that this was the lever that brought reward and satisfaction, one of the lab experiment results was this one rat found the lever and like pressed it 2,000 times in one hour. Reward me, reward me, reward me, reward me. Come on, people, we like rewards. Jesus talked a lot about rewards. 
in the Gospels. God talks a lot about rewards throughout the Bible. And I want us to look at reward, but in the context of fasting. Can we go there together? Look at it. Matthew chapter 6. Y'all with me? Matthew chapter 6. By the way, we're not passing out rewards at the end of this message. So Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 1. I'm going to take us through some verses here, and I want you to notice how many times the word reward is in there. And, but there's two different types of reward. I'm going to skip through it, so stay with me. Here we go. Starting at verse 1, he says, Watch out, Jesus says, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. And then skip down to verse 4. Give your gifts in private. Somebody say private. So when you give, give in private. And your Father who sees everything, look at it right here, will reward you. Verse 5. So first is when you give. We've been talking about this all summer. When you pray. Here it is verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, somebody, your individual prayer life, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you. Why? Silence all the noise as best you can and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything, here it comes again, will what? Reward you. Now skip down to verse 16. And when you fast, somebody say fast. And this is the meat now of the message. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is, only, that is the only reward they will ever get. So what was happening, they were all the religious people, the leaders, everybody was fasting, and they let everybody know by just what they were wearing and, and everything else, and just they looked miserable. Oh, I'm, I'm doing it for God, but this is miserable. I want you to know, they weren't saying it, but this is the way they were living. I want you to know I'm, I'm, I'm holy, I'm religious, I'm fasting for God, but I'm miserable. Then look right here. Verse 17, but when you fast, comb your hair <laughs> and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father. That's who you're fasting for anyway. Your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything, come on, will what? Will reward you. Just quick thought here, just common theme from what I just read. Our tendency is to reward ourselves instantly instead of waiting on God's reward. May we be a people that wait on the Father's reward. Amen? And by the way, because his reward is so much better than what man can do. So much better. Let us not forget, Hamilton Mill, let us not forget the reason that we have a reward center in our brain. Our Heavenly Father created us with it. He created us that way. There's nothing wrong with that. And not, this is very important. Not only does our Father want to reward us, but listen to this, but He wants to be our reward. Did you get that? Not only does our Father want to reward us, He wants to be our ultimate reward. And when you and I take the time to pray and fast, the reward is finding Jesus. 
Finding Jesus. Like, like what does that mean, the reward is finding Jesus? Somebody's like, is Jesus lost? No, no, he's not lost at all. He just wants his followers to intentionally seek him, to intentionally pursue him, to intentionally search after his heart. What does the Bible say in Jeremiah? If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. He wants to be found. Jesus will be found by people who are looking for him. That word they're seeking. He, because he is our great reward. He's at the end of our search every time. I love what the father tells uh, Abraham. They're having this awesome conversation. I'm summing it up. In Genesis 15, he says this. This is a summary. He says, I am your exceedingly great reward. I love that. Abraham had to be questioning things. I've just moved my family. All this kind of stuff's going on. Lot, all these things. And the Lord just tells him, hey, listen, you need to know this. At the end of it all, I, the Lord, I am, I am your exceedingly great reward. The reward of fasting Even though fasting is, let's be real, it can be hard and difficult, and we probably have all failed at it at time or two. I'll tell you a little bit of mine in a little bit. But the reward of fasting is finding Jesus in a greater and more intimate way. Come on, somebody. And if you love Jesus, who doesn't want that? I want to know Jesus in a closer way. I want to know Jesus in a more intimate way. Amen? And we find him in through fasting. So, Let's look at this together. So what is fasting? I want to just kind of sum it up, kind of a trifold definition here, just to get us all on the same same page here. Fasting, first one is this. Fasting is the willful abstaining from natural pleasures for a spiritual purpose. Somebody say pleasure. How many people know food is a pleasure? Thank you, Lord. You know, and it's, it's I, I love to eat. I, I, I love to eat what I want to eat. I love to eat what I want to eat when I want to eat it. So it, it is a natural pleasure for us. And there are other pleasures. I just spoke about some rewards earlier. All right. The second thing right here, let's look at this part of the definition of fasting. We're just getting on the same page. Fasting is a personal commitment. Somebody say commitment. It's a personal commitment to renounce the natural to invoke the spiritual. So when you're, going, to, uh, when you're going, going into a fast like we are tomorrow, we start a five-day corporate fast. We're not talking about an individual fast that we should all be doing throughout our rhythms of our lives. We're doing a five-day fast tomorrow across all victory. And it is a commitment to like, you know what? I'm going to give up these natural pleasures, eating and other things. I'm going to abstain from these things, and I'm going to seek God in a greater way. That's the spiritual action. It's the spirit, fasting is a spiritual discipline. And then finally, the third part of this definition of answering what in the world is fasting, because it can be a frustrating subject. Fasting is a set time where I abstain from food to seek God in a greater way. Fasting is a set time where I abstain from food uh, to seek God in a greater way. Now, right now, our stomachs are like, I don't like this at all. And I can go ahead and tell you, my staff will tell you next week that we're going to be in a lot of meetings and conversations, and they're going to hear PC stomach going off. And I don't know how your stomach talks, but mine is loud and proud. 
when it's hungry, or when it, I should say when it gets hangry. No, interesting, the New Testament word, which is translated fasting, literally means this, one who is empty. <laughs> you, you, just, you just feel empty. By the way, the first two days of a fast are the hardest. If you can press through the first two days, you're, doing, you're okay. But it, it, it's rough, it's rough. Uh, but, but you get on through it. God actually made your body to be able to fast, whether you're doing intermittent fasting or, or you're doing spiritual fast, whatever it is, fasting is good for you, all right? Biblical fasting involves abstaining from food. Let me just ask a question. If biblical fasting means to abstain from food, how does that make you feel? It's like, I, I, I don't like it. Can we just be real in the room? Because we do love to eat, but there's something about letting your flesh and the pleasures of what our flesh likes to just kind of be able to die to that for a short season so we can seek God in a greater way. You know, some of you, uh, we're, we're a big roast family. Some of you right now, you might have a delicious roast cooking in the crock pot at home right now. I mean, that thing has been crocking for a long time in that pot. And can I tell you, that's okay. Go home and enjoy every bite of that deliciousness. The fast starts tomorrow, all right? <laughs> You might have some ribs, been smoking for a while. They're still smoking right now. And you're like, I can't wait. That's good. Jump all over those ribs. Savor every bite. The fast starts tomorrow. All right? And so, like, we, we got we to understand this. And, like, some people are like, well, you know, can I, can I fast other things? Yes, you can. But biblically, I do want you to know that fasting has to do with abstaining from food. Because that's the thing that we just love now, listen, let me just pause for a second and say this. Uh, I, I can't stand religion. If you know me, I, I will run from religion. Christ did not die for religion. He died for relationship. Religion's all about rules and got to do it perfect and all that stuff. I just say, whatever, all right? Um, here, here's what I want to encourage people to do. If you can't fast food because of medical reasons, that's okay. That's okay. Do something else. Be creative in a way. But a lot of people say, I can't fast food just because... If I'm honest, I don't want to do it, you know? I want to encourage you, lean into this fast. You're stronger than you think you are. I'm, I'm going to just share this with you, and somebody, this might help some people today. Uh, starting tomorrow for five days, I'm going to do a bone broth fast. I've never done it before, and my good friend, Pastor Darius, over at North Cobb, was telling, him, telling me about this past week, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I've been preparing my body for it. And so let the Lord speak to you. There's all kinds of stuff online. We've got stuff on our, uh, on our Victory ATL backslash fast page, and we'll show you at the end. But speak, go there with God and, and telling you, I challenge you to dive into this. Amen? You know, can, can I fast other things? Absolutely. Fast food, and listen to this, fast a time waster. We're going all practical, and I think that's good. Give yourself fully to the fast. You know, like for me, I fast social media at least twice a year for a month. And can I tell you, it is so good for my soul. Anybody ever fasted social media before? Can I, can I tell you, have you, and let's be real in the room, okay? Have you, when you fasted social media, did you find yourself being drawn back to the social media? It's like, I just need to look and see what everybody's doing. Oh, look, they liked my post from last week. You know, you, you just find yourself, can I tell you what, if, if that happens in your fast, things have gotten a little out of balance. 
you know, we, we need to fast these things. Uh, I, I fast TV a lot. I always ask, Lord, please don't do it in football season. Please, Lord. But, <laughs> but he's done it before. He'll probably do it again. All right? Uh, but, but fasting time wasters that I give my attention to, that's a good thing. The main thing is to give up something. Somebody say something. And spend that time with God. Now listen, even parents of littles, and a, a lot in this house, it, it gets, I remember, it was hard. You know, we, we would feed them, and you know, like you give kids like kind of the same old mac and cheese, right? And after a while, you look at it when you're fasting, like, I, I just want it right now. It looks just, but I got to have something. You know, I, I know it's difficult, but I'm just encouraging you, go there with the Father and watch what God will do. Amen? And here's the deal. When you give up something, don't fill that time with something else, right? Like, if you give up social media, then you watch TV all night. No, 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 no. Give up the time wasters and spend time with the Lord. Get into the Word of God. Let it speak to you. Read the Word. Let the Word read you. Throw on some worship. But here's the deal. Don't focus on what you're giving up. I love what Dave Clayton says. He says this right here on the screen. The main focus of fasting is not about what we let go of, but who, somebody say who, but who we let take hold of us. Who we let take hold of us, what God does in us. I think a lot of people, and this was my mistake in my early 20s and 30s, I focused on what I was giving up so much that I missed the person that I was actually fasting for. I was so focused on, I'm giving this up, I'm giving that up, and how, oh, I don't like this. But I, I was missing the blessing of finding Jesus. So focus on Jesus during your fast. Listen, if we fast out of obligation, you know, just kind of going through the motions, I've been guilty of that, if I'm honest in the room. You know, like, it was a church fast. I've, you know, we've, we've been in the church world for a long time, and I've done 21 day, done 10 day. We're doing a five day starting tomorrow. I always pray like, oh, God, please don't speak to the pastor about a 40 day. Oh, Lord, please, please, please don't. You know, did it one time. I thought I was going to die, you know, but, um, but the fact of the matter is we got to focus on Jesus, amen, amen. And, and, and understand that the reward is finding Jesus. If, if I go out of some obligation, guess what? I'm not going to find Jesus. If, if we fast in a way, listen, that treats God like a vending machine, we will not find Jesus. What, what do you mean, pastor, treats God like a vending machine? Well, it's like this. If I do this fast for God, he will do this for me. Or if I fast for God in these five days or make it a part of my rhythm of my life, then God's got to answer this prayer. That's dangerous thinking. Can I tell you, I have learned through the years that when I fast, and yes, I bring those petitions, that big decision in that fast, but God may answer the prayer a different way than what I think. Amen? Because his ways are higher. He knows best. I may say, God, I need you to do this, and God may do that, but what he's doing is greater and better and higher than what I think he needs to do. So as I seek him, he brings his will in my life, and it's always better. We just sing about that. His ways are better. Amen? We, we don't fast to obtain God's blessing. We fast to find the blesser. We, we don't, uh, I'm, I'm fasting, God, bless me, bless me. No, no, no. You're doing it for the appearance of, for God to bless you. Can I tell you what? When you fast to find Jesus, you will be blessed. 
When you fast to seek his face, you get his hands. When you fast and you pursue the blesser, you will be blessed beyond belief. Let me say it to you like this. Seek, it's going to sound real simplistic, but you need to hear this. Seek him for him, not what he can do for you. Seek God just for God in this fast. I know all of us got some decisions to make. We got trials we're going through. We got struggles, we're, walls that we're hitting. But I'm telling you what, in this fast, seek him for him and watch what he will do in you. Not for what he can do for you. Why? Because all that we need is found in him. Amen? And when I seek him and I find him, can I tell you what happens? I change. I change. Let me say it to you like this. Fasting doesn't change God. Fasting changes me. If I go in my whole heart, fasting changes me. I get a greater perspective of God. I, uh, where things were, were small, things become real clear and big. The magnification of God. I, everything's tuned out. I'm, the distractions just, and it gets real clear. You ever, know, ever notice that when you do a fast, all of a sudden you hear his voice real clear? It's because of what you were intentionally fasting just to spend time with him. Amen? So as we head into August and the fall, which is right before us, a fast, listen, some people need to hear this, a fast, a called fast, can be a great reset and a fresh start. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on. God does. He loves you big time. But some of you in the room, you need a reset. You need a fresh start. You don't have to wait to January. It can start today. It can start every day with the Lord. Every day is a new day with God. Amen? We were praying that earlier in my office. Every day is a new day with God. Let me give you a scripture uh, Psalms 85 right here. I encourage you to read the whole chapter later. This came to me on the way to Wednesday night prayer. Not the plan. The Lord changed it up. Thank God I was listening. And I felt like the Lord said, this is what is going to happen in people's lives in this five-day fast. David says, revive us again, O God. I know you will. Ooh, think of that faith right statement. I know you will. Give us a fresh start. Somebody say fresh start. Then all your people will taste your joy and gladness. Pour out even more of your love on us. This is what happens in a fast. You get the more of God. Reveal more of your kindness and restore, restore us back to you. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to speak to you in these last few minutes here. I'm going to speak to you as Jesus did, as he spoke to us in the scriptures. When you fast, this is what you can expect and I'm going to give you three things very quick. Three things, what to expect. I encourage you to take notes on paper or on your phone, and you can dive into this later. When you and I fast, it will, number one, develop your character. It will develop your character. How is our character developed? Through testing. Through testing. Listen, I want to just get us all on the same page. God will never tempt us. Temptation that comes straight from the pit of hell, or James tells us, or even our own evil desires. But God will test us in seasons of our lives. 
I got some questions for him when I get to heaven one day about all that. But the fact of the matter is, he tests us. Why, why does he test us? Because when we're in these situations that are like trial by fire, the testing of our faith, it shows us our own humanity. It reveals to us, come on, our limitations and our weaknesses. And it shows us that whatever the situation, if Jesus don't come through, we ain't going to get through this. It shows us that we need a God who can solve the problem. That's the thing about the testing of our faith. It's, it's not to prove, are we Christians or not? It's to prove to you that I can do this through Jesus. I can get through this situation. And it makes you stronger. And how many people in the room, I'll just tell them myself, there have been tests that I have passed with flying colors, and there have been tests that I have failed. Anybody failed some tests in life? Hello. All right. See, you're not alone. Ain't nothing wrong with you. We've all failed some tests. Here's the thing. When you fail a test, the, the greatness of our God picks us back up again, and, we, and he sends us on our way. He dusts us off and says, you're going to be better because this. you made some mistakes along the way. That's okay. You've learned a lot. I've healed you up. Keep moving forward. But God tests us. And I'll tell you what, a fast, whether it's five days or it's 21 days, it can be a testing time of your flesh. And so we gotta, we got to understand this. The Old and New Testament word translated test, it means to prove by trial. And this, even this part of the message, like when I was typing this out, you're saying, I don't like this part. Because we, we don't like it. But I tell you what, if you lean into God during the testing, you're going to love what happens at the end of the test. The victory and the breakthrough and what God does. He's establishing your godly character. While you're being tested. Testing is a proving ground for our faith. And as we look to Jesus and put our trust in him, we will overcome every, fire, every fiery trial that we're walking through. Amen? Let's look at it together. Look, look right here on the screen. 1 Peter 1. I encourage you to, to, to read the whole chapter, but just two verses here. And it says this. So, and it's almost like, what's wrong with Peter? He's talking about trials. But the first, look at the first few, few verses here. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though, look at this, you must endure many trials. Look at this, for a little while. Seasons, they come and they what? They go. See, some of you are in a trial right now. Some of you are being tested right now. Remember, we get tested by God. We get tempted by the enemy or by our own selfish, wicked, evil desires. And I just declare of all of us in the room, we're going to pass the test in Jesus' name. Amen? We're going to pass the test. There's grace. God of more than enough is with you. He's for you. He's going to see you through. Lean into him during the test. Fellas, listen to me. Quit trying to man up during the test. You ain't that strong. You need the Father. I don't care how many muscles you got on top of muscles on top of muscles. You need the spiritual muscle to get stronger. It's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. And you will get through it in Jesus' name. Amen? It, uh, right here. These trials will show that your faith is what? Genuine. Mm. It is being tested. What is it? Your faith. Your faith is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Wow. Gold. Think about the value of gold. He's saying your faith is greater than that. Then look at this. So when your faith remains strong, somebody say strong, through many trials, look at this. This is about you. 
it will bring you, somebody say me, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. God's going to be like, you made it, son. You made it, daughter. There will be a praise and an honor to you because what does the Bible say? He who honors the Lord will find himself honored. And so we got to recognize this, that we can pass the test by the grace and strength of God. And when it comes to fasting, I believe, here's the thing, what I, I really believe this. Every Christ follower in this room and those who are watching us online on YouTube and Facebook, we all want to do this. But the majority of Christians, for all kind of reasons, don't do it. He said when you fast, he was talking about an individual fast. We're talking about a corporate fast starting tomorrow. There's a part of us, if I had this table split, Chris, like in two different people, all right, a part of me, man, I want to fast. Yes, Lord. The other part is like, nah, <laughs> no thanks. And listen, Jesus summed it up this way. He said, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Can I ask you? How does that land with you when you hear that? Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Which stands out more in your life? A willing spirit or weak flesh? Listen, I'm, I'm telling you, you can find out a lot. I, I, I'm the one up here talking, but we could all be talking about this, right? Like, we have all, I used to say, man, I am a failure when it comes to fasting, Lord. Please, I mean, I would like, I was the one sneaking the crackers in the middle of the night. I'd be like, all right, Lisa's snoring. I'm going to go downstairs real quick. And, oh, God, oh, these crackers are the best crackers in the world. You know, I was the one that jumped on Instagram like, what's everybody doing? Oh, look, look, look. You know, like, I, I did this. I used to like when pastor, when our pastor in our churches would call fast, I'd be like, oh, boy. I mean, I had a loser mentality before the fast even started, you know, because of what I'd gone through. But can I tell you, if you fail in a fast, guess what? Tomorrow's a new day. You can start over with God with a fresh start. You don't have to beat yourself up. We don't serve a legalistic God. Let's say you're doing a 10-day fast, right? God tells you to go on a 10-day fast. You got some big decisions to make. He tells you to go on a 10-day fast. By day five, you're like, I'm done. I'm done. And you just fail. Fail miserably. God doesn't look at you that night before day six and say, the fast is over, you lose. You know what he says? Son, it's okay. Father, forgive me. I, I just gave in to the craving. I needed some chocolate and peanut butter together in this body. <laughs> that's, that's my kryptonite, by the way. All right. And I've, I, I've literally, don't, I would just say avoid grocery stores this week at all costs. You're standing there in line and the candy is all just talking to you, right? Say. Take me. You know, no. Listen, fasting is a proven ground for our character. And as you lean into the Lord during your fast, listen to me, you will go from independence to interdependence. I need you, God, through this fast, and you're working on my character. Amen? Number two, when you fast, it will develop your faith. When you fast, it will, it will develop your character, and it will develop your faith. You watch. If you lean in and give God all you got in this five-day fast, and all the fast that you will do in your life, you watch what God does in your faith. God will be bigger and more clear in your heart and your spiritual ears when it's all said and done. Look over real quick, if you would, to Matthew chapter 17. Y'all still with me? 
Matthew 17. This story grabs me every single time I read it. I guess maybe because I'm just a father, but I think it speaks to everybody here. I know it does. You can also find this story a little bit more in detail in Mark chapter 9 if you want to go there later. Give you context. Jesus just had the uh, transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. The voice of the Lord spoke. I mean, just an incredible moment. They're coming down the mountain, joining the rest of the disciples. Unknown to them, there's a huge crowd and a lot of emotion going on. Here we go. Look at it. Verse 14. Skip down to verse 14. Matthew 17, verse 14. On the screen if you don't have your Bible. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus, now this is a, this, he turns, he's rebuking the disciples. Then Jesus answered and said, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? Can you imagine me a disciple in that moment like, I am dirt, you know. Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. You can hear it like, all right, let's get this over with. Bring him to me. So, and then it says, and Jesus rebuked the demon. So he's rebuking the disciples. He rebukes the demon. Jesus rebuking everybody, all right? He rebukes the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured that very hour. Later, Look what it says right here, verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately. Everybody's gone home. That had to be incredible. The father carrying his son, totally healed and whole. Disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith, somebody say faith, As a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Then verse 21, however, this kind does not go out except by, say it with me, prayer and fasting. The disciples are asking Jesus why they couldn't cast it out. And Jesus is saying to them, because you actually didn't believe you could cast it out. You didn't believe the authority that I've already given you to be able to say that demon, get out in Jesus' name. See, we got to recognize this. Unbelief is powerful. It is the opposite of faith. All right? And it's got an evil cousin called doubt. And come on, you ever been to that family reunion? There's two cousins you don't ever want to see. All right? We're talking about doubt and unbelief right here. They are cousins connected together. Unbelief doesn't start. It starts with doubt, and it grows into unbelief. All right? And they go hand in hand. And so uh, what's being pointed out here is he's telling them, guys, because he had already given them the authority. They had already been sent out. And so Jesus is saying, you didn't even actually believe that the demon was going to come out. And so it's a challenge to us. Listen to me. It's a challenge to me. Do I actually believe what I'm praying? Do you believe what you're praying? Do you believe that God can heal your marriage? Do you believe that God can heal your broken heart? Do you believe that God can heal you from that disease? Do Do you believe that God can bring that prodigal child home? Because if you believe it, Jesus is saying that mustard seed faith will throw whatever that big mountain of a problem right into the sea. Just to believe. Somebody say believe. And it wasn't just the disciples. Mark 9, again, same story, different gospel. Mark 9 points out the father's unbelief. 
The Bible says in Mark 9 that the father cried out with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And this is what we got to recognize, that faith even, I mean, think about it, mustard seed. You ever seen a mustard seed? We're talking small. And he's saying it's potent, it's powerful, it's a powerful uh, force. The opposite of faith is unbelief. And it's very powerful. I know most of us know this, but it needs to be said. Did you know that in a couple of accounts in the Gospels where Jesus was performing miracles, he would go into some villages or towns, and the Bible says he could only do a few miracles because of the people's unbelief. That's how powerful unbelief is. But think about the opposite, faith. Faith. He was drawn to faith. I'm thinking about blind Bartimaeus. Remember him? This is totally off script. It just came to me. Blind Bartimaeus. They tell blind Bartimaeus he's blind. Jesus is coming through. He's heard about this Jesus now. He wants to be healed. People tell him to shut up. You know what blind Bartimaeus does? He gets louder. It wasn't just his voice. It was his faith. Jesus, son of Nazareth, come and heal me. And Jesus heard him, but he saw his faith. Unbelief. We got to get it out of us. And I tell you what, fasting will do that. Unbelief produces, oh, just all kinds of yucky stuff in us. Disastrous consequences happen in our life because of unbelief. And listen to me, it prevents us in walking in the abundant life that Jesus died for. Unbelief. Fasting has a way to bring that to the surface. It just, it, the, have you noticed with fasting, it brings the hidden things to the surface. Why? Not to beat us down so that he reveals it to heal us and to get it out of us. Lord, deal, get, get this doubt, get this unbelief. You know what he replaces it with? That mustard seed faith that can grow into a huge tree. Amen? And so it, it's just a prayer like this. I, I just gave you a little bit of my inside journal in this prayer. Father, forgive me for not trusting you. That's how it starts. Forgive me for not trusting you and your word. I repent of doubt and unbelief, letting it stay in here. Lord, right now, I put my full trust in you. And listen, and some of you need, to, like, you need to get this deep in your heart and out with your mouth. And I know nothing is impossible for you, Jesus. I know you can do all things. I know, Lord, you can, you can remove all different. You can do anything. And you tell me that I can do all things through Jesus who gives me strength. Amen? Amen. Your faith will grow in the fast as you lean into him. Now, before we move to the final point and close out, I want us to think about real quick. Because a lot of times in this story, we move past something that is too significant. The Father. Let's put ourselves in the Father's shoes for a moment. Can you imagine watching watching this happen to your child every day. Can you imagine if they were coming out of someone's house and there was a fire just holding their child? Water surrounded that air, the Israelite area there, always watching around the lake, around the Sea of Galilee, holding their kid close as he was going through the seizures. Mark tells us they went through it for a long time. It's been going on for years. Here's what I want you to imagine now with your mind. That boy got healed. Can you imagine the journey home? The father's faith growing, exploding, looking at his boy for the first time, still, smiling like any other bouncing boy, 
takes him home to his mom who couldn't make the trip. And the mom sees him walk in and the boy walking right in with him. And the mom just starts crying like, oh my gosh, and runs to him and holds him. The neighbors start here. So the mom's faith is growing. The neighbor's faith is growing. Other family, maybe other siblings that were there. See, their, their brother totally healed. Faith grows as God moves. Amen? And faith grows when we read the word of God. And God grows our faith in a fast. Now, let me just say this real quick. Most of you know that Lisa and I were youth pastors forever. We were there when the dinosaurs were around, all right? And we did it for over 20 years, and we love it. We still love young people, always will. But I've seen a shift in the spirit in the last 10 years. Everybody comes under attack, but for years, the devil was trying to take our teenagers. And he still is. He still is. But the focus of the attacks is now toward our children. Like I have never seen in 51 years. There is an all-out assault against our children's identity. To, to, To literally make an impression on their heart when they're very young that could affect them the rest of their life. But I want to say this over us. The devil cannot have our children in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Our children belong to God in Jesus' name. And mom and dad, this is why you've got to find yourself and your family planted in the house of God, planted in the word of God, because the devil will gladly take your kids from you. He'll gladly take them off your hands. That's why you need to be in thirst tonight with the, in the presence of God, with the people of God. This is, this is why, you, as, and fact, this just came to me right, even right now thinking about, this is why maybe during the fast for some families, maybe you've gotten away from prayers, get back and start praying again before you go to bed. Many of us school starting this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever it is. Let the faith in your family and the faith in your hearts. And mom and dad, let me just say this. I've said it all through the years. If you want to see your children or your teenagers or your young adults be on fire for Jesus, you get on fire for Jesus. Amen. Number three, final point. When you fast, it will develop your character, develop your faith, And I love this, deepen your passion. Deepen your passion. Somebody say passion. Your fuego, your fire, your zeal for the Lord. Amen? Your passion for the Lord. Revelations 2, 4, I'm going to summarize it. He says this, you're doing all the right things. Listen to this language here. You're doing all the right things, but nevertheless, Jesus speaking against the church. I have this against you. You have left your first love. Hamilton Mill, we can be doing all the good things and we can leave Jesus in the dust. You can be doing all the church things. Like, give me some examples, Pastor Chris. You can come to church twice a month, which is the average, right? That's what they say. Even now it's down to once a month for people. But you can come to church and check the box and then go about the rest of your, your week doing whatever you want to do and Jesus not even be in the front and center of your life. It's just, that's religion. That's country club Christianity at its best. You just showed up. And the bottom line is that we've got to recognize and understand that we can do nothing without Christ. I am nothing without Christ. But in him, I'm something. And listen, somebody needs to hear this. He can take a nobody and make you into a somebody for the kingdom of God. And I'm a nobody. We're all a bunch of nobodies. 
But we, we, can't, we can't expect to leave Jesus behind, do the religious whatever, and expect for God's blessings to be in our life. It's not going to happen. When you lean into God during a fast, he will reveal things to you, and specifically he'll talk to us about our love. He'll reveal things that maybe we're not aware of because we're just so busy. Guilty as charged. Let me say it to you like this. Before love can be awakened many times, we need a God awareness that we become sleepy religious Christians. Let me say it to you like this right here on the screen. Fasting is about creating a distance between ourselves and the things that fight for our attention and affection. Fasting is about creating a distance between ourselves and the things that fight for our attention and affection. What does that mean? That means fasting is about proximity. Remember that old hymn, nearer my God to thee. Draw close to God and what's the promise? And he will draw close to you. He made the first move, he gave his son. We respond in drawing close to him and he draws close to us. Listen, this is why we fast in a way. This is why we need to jump off social media. Just jump off for the next five days. I just really challenge everybody here, just jump it off. You're like, well, what about what's, what just, it, it will be there when you get back. You'll have a wonderful day when you catch up on Saturday of notifications if you just want to go through all of them. Turn off the TV. Some of you need a TV break from all the news. Turn it off. Temporary, temporarily delete your favorite apps. Put the secular magazines away and the books. But I'm right in the middle of chapter. Put it away. And give God the time and attention that he rightfully deserves during this fast. I promise you what will happen in your life at the end of this fast. You will be more in tune with God. Your heart will be bigger. Literally, God's working in your character. Your faith will grow, and you will have a new fire begin to come back in you. Lean into Jesus, taking time, listening to him, worshiping him. Pray his word, and watch what God will do in your life. Flicker will become a fire for him. Get close to Jesus and farther away from the worldly things. Now listen, I want to just say this because somebody needs to hear this because we do have a lot of people coming to the Lord here, which is awesome. So I want to just kind of answer the question. I'm not saying social media is evil and sinful. I'm not saying the TV. There's, I like to watch movies. You know, social media, I'm on it. I love the connections around the world and around the nation. But if it gets all of my attention and all of my affection, then I got nothing left for him. And so a lot of us as Christians, we're giving God the barely enough, the little bit of leftovers, because we, we literally collapse. Even while we're in our bed, we're still scrolling. Go with me? We got to, Jesus said like this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Can I ask you a question? As a Christian, what spirit is upon you? Is it his spirit or is it the world? Because whatever you give your most time to, that's what's on you. Fasting is hungering for God. Yes, we get hungry. But it's a hungering for God. What are you feeding on? What are you craving? 
The Bible says, and you know this verse, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joy of those who take refuge in him. What are you taking refuge in? Your retirement plan? What is it that is your refuge? Jesus has got to be our refuge. What are we longing for more than anything else? What are you longing for? I'm throwing a lot of questions at you today, but it's to make us think. I'll close with this verse today. Psalms 84. A few verses. The whole chapter. Go read the whole chapter. Just a few verses right here on the screen. Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, David says. O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper, come on, in the house of my God than live the good life in the, home of the wick, uh, in the homes of the wicked. For the Lord our God is our sun and our shield. He gives grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those, come on, read it with me, who trust in you. Who trust in the Lord. We put our trust, our faith, our hope, our everything in Jesus. Amen. When we fast, we are not fasting for God. Look at me. We are fasting to get closer to God so we can look at him. Why? He is our great reward. Amen? He's our great reward. Church, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for what God is going to do as we go into this fall. I'm excited for this five-day fast. If you give it your all. I'm excited for many like people on Wednesday night prayer who've come up to us afterward like never prayed out loud before never never come to a public prayer meeting before I'm proud of you guys lean into the Lord you'll never be disappointed I'm excited for you making fasting as Jesus talked about what we read earlier a natural part of the rhythms of your life I, I would just submit to you that every Christian needs to fast at least once a month for a set period of time that time is between you and God but fasting should be the normal mode of operation in our lives. Amen? And I encourage you to join us. I truly do. Join with us. And, uh, you know, we got thirst tonight. It's going to be amazing. And we're going to pray. And I just want to kind of tell you, as we, as we look at this week, we've tried to be very intentional. Um, this is going to be a week of individual fasting, but it's also going to be corporate. And so it starts on Monday morning, tomorrow morning, after an incredible, powerful thirst that's going to catapult us into the week the church we're opening the church Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday we did this a year ago during the lunch hour for people to come and pray if you can if you're in the area Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday this room will be open worship will be on people will be praying also Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday night Tuesday night is our young adult service we're going to be praying for all the young adults and for their generation if young adults in your heart come and join us that night Wednesday night we're going to be in this big old room and we're going to be praying and worshiping with all the students, as Russ mentioned earlier. And uh, then they're going to go get color crazy. And we'll continue on with our, our prayer, praying for the body and the community. And on Thursday night, because of what I spoke about earlier, we feel real strong about it. On Thursday night, just for one hour, we're going to pray for our children. And our kids team is going to lead that. 
and we're going to pray and we're going to cry out for our children and for the children in this area that God would not only protect them but they would come to know Jesus at an early age amen and follow him all the days of their life amen can we stand together Pastor Russ is going to come and close this out. I want to pray over us. Let me ask you this. Have you been giving God the leftovers? Do you need revival in your heart? Are you away from God? Wherever you are at in that spectrum, or maybe are you just on fire and you just want more of Him? He's got it all, and it starts with yes. Somebody say yes. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. And God, we just come to you, and we just want to repent corporately as your people. Forgive us, God. Forgive me. Forgive myself to everything. And you'll take whatever you can get, but God, you want all of us. And so forgive us for coming and just barely enough. Forgive us, God, for not seeking your word. Forgive us for pushing you to the side. Lord, we just say yes to you, Lord. We, we repent, Lord. And we just thank you for your healing and your revealing. Lord, we thank you for the working that you're doing in our, in our, in our character, oh God. Lord, we thank you for the faith that will grow. We do pray over all of us. Remove any doubt. Remove any unbelief that's tied to past hurts and disappointments. Remove it in Jesus' name. We call it what it is, sin. Forgive us, God. And God, we pray for the revival fire of you to burn in us. We thank you, Lord. Let your fire burn in us again for you. And as we start this fast tomorrow as a church, Lord, just clean slate over everybody in their minds and their hearts as we just pursue you. Every day is a new day with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thank you, church. God bless.